A peasant receives last rites in Cuba before being executed by one of Che Guevara's firing squads. A church crumbling in France is turned into a field hospital. And a lowly blind man stands up to the most powerful people in his world, and this is in order to tell the truth of the gospel. These are all images of the church which have happened across time, and we need to take a moment and observe them and see what we can learn. So thank you for joining me. This is Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and there are two others with me in the studio today. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And today we're going to be looking at pictures from church history, and I really want us to just allow our minds to be opened up so that we can imagine all the ways that God can work in our life. Now, we live in a fallen world where chaos and suffering, they're desperate to define the, com- the condition of humanity, really, if we're honest. Sin and chaos, suffering, they want to define who we are. But the church is called to rise above such chaos. And the photos that we're going to look at today, they may be holy, they may be depraved. I'm not going to give any front-end commentary. I just want us to examine them and let your heart and mind be opened up so that we can imagine how God is active in the world around us. So the first photo we're going to be looking at today is a church in France. Now, I believe this photo was made in 1918. And as you can see here, a church in France, its sanctuary has been made into a field hospital for soldiers. Now, this is a very fascinating photo because the church itself You can see its sanctuary is dilapidated. A whole wall has basically been destroyed. The full breadth of the sanctuary can't even be used because a good portion of it's filled with rubble. And there in the middle where the pews used to be are beds. There are men laying down. Some have their heads wrapped up. Some are completely covered. And up towards the front where the platform might be, you see there on the altar where communion was once served, there are now medical supplies and things laid on the altar, there is a painting of Jesus, whether it be the second advent or perhaps his ascension, the painting of Jesus, it is there looking down on those in the sanctuary. This is taken in the middle of a war zone, and today we're going to have some commentary on this and just see what our thoughts are. So let me just go ahead and throw this over to Pastor Amanda and Pastor Mike, and we're going to be mostly looking at the pictures today, but What are your immediate thoughts when you look at this? If you could imagine being in this photo, perhaps you're not a believer. Perhaps you're just somebody who, this is your exposure to the church. This is how you have seen the church. You're someone laying there on a cot, and there's this picture of Jesus looking down on you while a whole wall is blown out. What is the sermon being delivered by this situation? What are your your thoughts on this for those here in the studio? I'll send it to Pastor Amanda first. Okay. Well, I think, uh, you know, if hypothetically, if we're placing ourselves in this, especially maybe as somebody um, who hasn't experienced the life of the church very um, uh, consistently before this, um, I think the word sanctuary kind of takes on a whole new meaning, Uh, not just sanctuary in the sense of being a worship building, but really being a place of safety. Um, And so that you find here that you are you're safe, you're being taken care of, there's provision and providence that is happening um, in this picture that um, even in the midst of all this destruction and chaos and bloodshed that's happening all around you, um, there's a building that's lasted in the midst of it, that has withstand all of it, and is now providing structure and um, uh, structure and safety to those uh, within its walls. You know, you mentioned the word providence. If you were to ask me something that has changed in my life from perhaps when I was in university to now, 
I have come to the to the point where I realize that tradition, real tradition, not nostalgia, but something that has lasted longer than one generation or two generations, true traditions in the church, I believe, are inspired by God. And I think that's why people try to define why we have the Eucharist and baptism as sacraments. I think it's because they're inspired by God, the, the best answer for that. When you look here at the structure of this church, you can even see a dog there in the bottom left corner of it. When you look at this picture, there's something providential about a tradition that says the house of God needs to be built better than my home. It needs to be built to last. It needs to be built so that someone who's not even born yet can walk through these walls and meet God and this building still be perfectly intact as it is now. So somebody who may not even be born yet for another couple hundred years. That providential thing. Now, this isn't God coming to us and micromanaging our lives or saying, I've chosen what you're going to do five minutes from now. But God inspiring people to do that has come back and been a blessing to people down the road. Mm-hmm. Pastor Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Well, when I look at the, the, the image here, first of all, I think the word inspiration is, is, um, is, is adequate um, to a certain level. Because if we look at the medium, it's just, you know, a reflection of light and it's a picture. But at the end of the day, I think as we, as we look at the, the primary expression of what's going on here, it is, in a, a sense, the physical... Uh, and spiritual realms coming together, where salvation, uh, the word that is translated into salvation from the Greek can also be translated as healing. And so when we look at this picture, we see the church existing for others as a means of a place to find salvation and healing. And even in the midst of the most uh, chaotic and, and times where war is taking place, there is also a spiritual battle. Yeah. And as you are, if you imagine sitting there and looking up to this picture of Jesus, and I, I believe it's an ascension of Jesus going to sit at the right hand of God the Father, but at the same time you look at it and it's like Christ is coming again. And for someone to look up in this this um, you know this image here, being able to look up and see Christ coming it is more than just the medium that they're looking at they're looking at inspiration that christ is coming to help them and then we see the body of the church yeah the 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 people there tending to their needs uh one of the things i also find very interesting you talked about the communion table there uh, which normally holds the elements of of the bread and the wine the body and the blood of jesus the actual elements that are part of the way we express our our need for Christ to save us. Yeah. These medical supplies, in a physical sense here, is saving lives of the yeah. people. And so the, I, I find this picture to be one that you could probably talk about for a very long time. Yeah, so imagine this actually being your church on a weekly and daily basis. I want us to imagine... What would it be like if your local church handled a situation like this today? I know with our sanctuary, we have, we've had funerals and things of that in our nature. And there have been times when I've come in and there's been a family that has come to set up and they've brought like someone's ashes and they've set those on the, the altar for the the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And it's been one of those things where it's interesting how people come in and, and in a moment where the church's services are really needed and 
and to see how people respond to that imagining what it would be like in a war zone where suddenly the pews they're replaced by cots with beds a whole wall is blown out just the thoughts that we would have of of your church handling this today what what do you all think about that well, I think, you know, obviously, I think you mentioned earlier that this the church is a place that uh, the church building, rather, is, is a place where it should be built better than our homes. Um, it, this is a, a place of that even though it's suffered tremendous damage here or horrific damage, it is a place where we we there is a sense of sanctuary and safe haven that rather than destruction coming and and being in danger it is a place where others are ministering you know to you and bringing healing uh that and trying to protect you so you know if i was there i think i would understand that the church is the people by all means but yes sticks and stones are important it's a place that we gather and it's a place uh, that is really unlike any other place in the world, that it does inspire us to be better. Yeah, all right, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next picture. And this one is really the picture that inspired me to put this together. <clears throat> Forgive me. So this is a priest giving last rites to a Cuban peasant before he is killed, really by Che Guevara. Che Guevara is not in this picture, but his squads are there. And this really is an absolutely fascinating photo to look at. So here's a man who is a peasant. He owned uh, The story behind this is this guy, he owned some farmland, and he refused to bow down and give it to Che Guevara when they showed up and said, we're taking your land. And the response to this is, well, you're going to be executed. We're going to kill you. And in the photo, there's some interesting artifacts. There's a hand coming over to a guy that looks kind of like he's in charge of this situation. It's kind of a disembodied hand coming from out of the picture over to touch him. There's a piece of trash sitting on the ground that's just there. It kind of looks like a cup. Something of that nature is there. It's an artifact on the ground. And here's this priest coming to this man who put on those clothes that day. I mean, he looks like a middle-aged man, probably lived a hard life, probably had no idea when he put on those clothes they would be the last clothes he ever wore. And right now... He's a perfectly healthy human being, but something's about to be done to him to end his life. What are our thoughts on this? Imagine being in this photo, and this is how you saw the church. What what thoughts do we have on this? I think there's a... Um, we're in the previous picture. I think there was a clear light almost at the end of the tunnel. Um, this This picture seems like maybe the light's just a little too small uh because we don't know all what's going on we don't know if that priest is complacent in all this um or if he was forced to do kind of last rites or how much this priest may be standing up for the man who's about to be executed like there, there's not really enough context to really kind of understand what's going on um how compliant the sh soldiers even are but i think what we know about that historical time period and, and other periods very similar to it when uh people are in the throes of a revolution there's this great desire for hope for something to be better and you can feel the hopelessness in the situation because what people thought would bring them hope this this change this revolution this new government has now is now actively trying to take their life yeah and so we see this this priest in the middle of it giving last rites which is kind of the the final 
earthly hope to people this this very physical representation of um this is the end but we wish for something new to come uh in in the the new uh, life that god has promised us even after death but we do worry i think and the, the, there's so much going on uh in this this picture even though it's a kind of a still shot that you're you're wondering how much hope there really is uh, and how that priest can convey that to, to such a hopeless situation. Yeah, this is a picture that it has really bothered me for a while. And there's different angles in it, and there's different things that make me both really angry, some that give me a little bit of hope. I can't really make my mind up on this. So when I look at the priest, I kind of get frustrated thinking, this guy, he's woke up. He's probably done this before. He'll probably go to bed at night and do this again in the future. This is just part of his life, going giving last rites to innocent people. And innocent families. Again, there's just a man here, but when Che Guevara and many of these revolutionaries come through, they would just kill people in mass. It's just un, un, unreal, the, the wickedness. But for this man here, this is, this is his last moment here on earth. Um, this is it for him. So when I look at the priest, I kind of get frustrated with how, how could you be complacent and let this happen, though. When I look at the man who's there, he needs somebody to minister to him. He needs someone to minister to him. So when I look at the, the man who's here dying, I'm saying, yes, there needs to be a priest who can do this. But when I look at the priest, I get angry and say, why is the priest allowed to be doing this? How can you go home? How can you go back to another life when you just watched an innocent man die in this way? Well, and I, I think this, this speaks to a lot of people, um, even though I guess our current situation is not this dire there is a lot of hopelessness around us, and we do wonder, are we doing enough? Are we the priests that kind of doing just, like you said, that's just kind of doing his little thing and then going home and sleeping at night? Um, and we wonder, is that enough? Yeah. Can we do more? Are we selling ourselves short? Or is this all we can do? Can we? Yeah. Is that little bit of hope all that we are capable of offering? And, and again, we don't know a lot of this specific picture um, what's going on through their minds, what happened the day afterwards. But we, I mean, we know for the man who was executed, there was no day afterwards. Yeah. And, but for the rest of them, how are they coping? What are they doing in this situation? And it is, it's a very desperate picture. And again, even though there's not really a lot of action being taken in this, everyone's just kind of standing or kneeling. It's full of tension. The picture's full of tension because you see it and you're just like, it is that hand that's coming out just of the picture and you can see yourself being the hand trying to reach in trying to grasp trying to do something but finding complete yourself completely helpless to enact any kind of real salvation uh for, yeah, this, for this man this picture is spiritual warfare at its finest you have a sermon from a man of god and a sermon of demons coming to compete with one another and as far as the emotion goes in it, there are just subtle hints of emotion. It's it's almost demonic itself just to put this out there and let you look at it without just just it existing is almost something which which is demonic in and of itself. But of course that is the truth of where fallen creation is. That is it's a mirror looking at the world saying this is this is where sin and depravity take you when you do not recognize the role of God and the need for God. And you see these guys who are just kind of being led, doing what they're told to do. And it is just, it's depraved. Uh, Pastor Mike, your thoughts on all this? 
Well, just looking at it from an artistic point of view and, and what the actual image is capturing here, I think if we look beyond the context of what's going on there and just look at the image itself, if you look at the 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 background and how the two soldiers in the middle in the, in the back are there, there is a light behind them coming in, actually pointing to the top of the man's head that is kneeling before the priest. I, I think that really puts our focus to this individual, and I think it, it shows the desperation. I think it also shows, as, as the men seem to be a little to the left and, the, and the, the priest on the right side of the picture there, that just like you said, Dylan, this is the, the, the battleground of evil and, and godliness coming together, and they're fighting over this man's soul. And not just his soul, but his body. Yeah. And and as he has been, you know, this man may have never stepped foot in the church. We, we don't know. But the thing is, I, I even see that this hand that Amanda's, obviously in this picture, the hand is, is uh, you know, the leader there or whoever that is that it's trying to hold back a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I am reminded of Michelangelo, I think his painting of, of creation, where the hand of God reaches out. And the role of a priest is to be a mediator between God and a mediator between people, and that flows both ways. And, and at this point in time, he is just that instrument of God, reaching to this man, uh, giving him... Um, last rites or telling him to place his trust in Jesus. This may be his moment of salvation that is beyond this world. And on the other side, you see the the evil and the instruments are there, toting their, their weapons of destruction. Um, and so this is a powerful picture that has so many uh, things you can talk about, whether it be, you know, this man's rights as a human to to that are being taken away um and then at the same time you see that god and and through this priest is saying you have great value to god and to trust in him beyond where you're at now to bring you into his arms and it's almost like that hand's reaching out. Yes, it could be. Uh, and I'm not saying that's God's hand. I'm just saying in the in the the picture itself, it allows your imagination to go in so many different ways. But it is a tremendous. Um, it's an image, it's an image that, that 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 yes, you you see the 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 evil, you see the the good, you see this terrible conflict happening, uh, and at the at the end. We can only say our only hope is in God alone. Yeah, and another fascinating thing down there is there's a piece of trash. I don't know if this was like a a cup that was used in a blessing, maybe. I don't know. I imagine the elements were served in this in some way. But it's just kind of thrown down like trash. And this, this poor man, like so many others, is being thrown down like he's trash too. Like This, this is yeah. not even a clean scene in and of itself. The whole thing is is depraved, and there's just – when I see this, this is a picture of spiritual warfare that is more real than anything you would see in a exorcist movie, conjuring movie, whatever you want to see. This is the doctrines of demons coming out to deliver you a sermon and the voice of God being brought back into it. And I'm not even sure who's innocent and guilty in this. That, well, that's one of the things where I, I know that the man there 
is 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 innocent of what they're killing him of. But when I look at like the the men who are over there complacent just doing what they're told to do, and I look at the priest, the question of, you know, is he complacent with this? How could you go and, you know, deliver a sermon, go write your homily when this is part of your, your day-to-day routine? Yeah. The burden and the weight of, of the, that he's bearing there is tremendous. And, you know, we don't know if the man kneeling there about to lose his life, is he is he part of the parish or not? We don't know. Uh, but the, the question is to ask, are those holding the guns part of the parish or not? Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of things we don't know, but indeed, uh, I, I think it, it is a picture that does require a a lot of thinking and and you know evaluating. So the last question I have on this before we move on to a another painting um, is: is this holy or chaos? When we look at the first one the first picture and for those who are watching this forgive me i'm bad at working the controls over here on what image and camera comes up we are live this is done live without any editing so forgive me for not being the best at this when we look at this first image in the sanctuary i think we could generally agree this is a fairly holy picture to see something like that am mm-hmm. i yeah alone in saying that no i, I agree yeah there, there's a, there's a definite um peace i mean obviously you can see chaos on the fringes with the destroyed building but there is a, a central element of peace and hope that it that stands in the middle of it sure um of that first picture yeah with the the church in paris but when it comes to the second one i don't know yeah i don't know about y'all i i, I can't decide if this is holy or if this is just depravity and chaos with the the priest there and i, I don't know to be whether to be happy about the priest being there or angry about it when I look at the man, I think he deserves a minister. But when I look at the other elements and think about it, it kind of makes me a little mad. Pastor well, Mike? I just think you can't say that, that one is there and not the other. I think they are both there. I think chaos is in both pictures. And I do believe that the church and the people of the church are a people that reflect the image of a holy God with lots of order. And so with that being said, they're both there. They're, when you say they're that both there— talking specifically about the second picture where the priest is blessing the man before he gets executed or murdered are you saying the holiness and the chaos is there is that absolutely okay and i and i believe the the priest as huge of a burden this is and the danger that he may be in um he is there giving hope to this man um in the in the world to come all righty, well, we're going to go to item number three, and that is from the Gospel according to St. John chapter 9. Now, this one's not a picture. This is a painting, and it, I think it's a fantastic painting, and it's done by um, Tissot is the man's name who who wrote or painted this, kind of like the watch company, Tissot. Um, so from John chapter 9, which the entirety of John chapter 9 is centered around a, a blind man who gets his sight back from Jesus. He probably wouldn't do well in a ministerial interview because there's no definitive point where you, he makes his confession of salvation. There's no definitive point where he gets sanctified, or, or which, of course, this is before Pentecost, so there will be some Nazarenes who will strike me down for that one. There's no clear moment of salvation, sanctification, or becoming a disciple here. So his call doesn't have those fine dates. But clearly, by the time you get to the end of the chapter, he is not only functioning as a disciple, but he's asking questions like, do you also want to become a disciple? He becomes a witty character and does some phenomenally good things. So I want to read just a little bit of scripture out of this, and then I'll talk about this painting. 
So John chapter 9, verse 24 through 28 read, So for the second time they called the man who had been born blind. And they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus here. And in verse 25, he answered, I do not know whether or not he is a sinner, but one thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. And in verse 26, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And in verse 27, he answered them, I have already told you and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then in verse 28, then they reviled him. They hated him for this. So in this painting, we've got the blind man. He's wearing sort of a yellowish green off-white tunic. I don't know. I'm, I guess I can't tell colors. Whatever color that is, he's, he's got there and he's pointing. And you see Jesus in the distance. It's almost like Jesus is in another world. He's not even in on this conversation. But obviously, if you read jo John chapter 9, Jesus is perfectly aware of everything that happens. It's like he's just standing there off in the distance. He's not in on the conversation itself as far as being someone contributing to that immediate dialogue. But his spirit is there and he knows what's going on and his influence is there. So... The blind man, who is no longer blind, he's pointing over there to Jesus and he's saying, this I know, I was blind and now I see. Do you also want to be his disciples? And it's not really clear if this is like full on Sanhedrin, but regardless, it's the Jewish court system and they hate Jesus. They hate him. They hate the gospel. They hate the good news. They hate the disciples. And I want us to imagine that we're in this photo as a believer and this is the reality of your faith. Could you all just imagine that? I think it's fascinating. Um, you're saying Jesus is kind of off in the corner, but if you notice, there, it looks like there's a woman that's trying to reach out to Jesus. And yeah, it is. Jesus is, he's aware of what's going on, but he's still about the work that he's been called to do. He's, he looks like he's healing or ministering or doing something um, uh, to this woman that's kneeling beside him. And, and everyone is turning to see what Jesus is going to do next. Um, except for that one guy kind of in the front, kind of right corner, where he's looking at the, the, the formerly blind man. But, I mean, this is just amazing. Again, you can feel the tension that's going on in this. And you do wonder, for those who are sitting around, you've seen this miracle worker uh, travel throughout Galilee, doing all this amazing stuff, but your religious leaders, the people who are supposed to be guiding you and encouraging you and giving you structure for your life, um, are saying, no, he's a bad guy. And it just, all this chaos comes colliding together and there's Jesus just doing what Jesus does. And like, and then like, and like you said, the blind man, who's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I know that like he helped me see, um, we should be a disciple. Like there's just some, um, great simplicity in both the blind man's response and also in Jesus' response that just says, I don't know. I don't have it figured out. I don't understand 100% what's going on, but I do know my faithful response. Yeah. And so it, it's just, it's amazing. And they hate him. <laughs> they hate him they, and they hate Jesus. And, I, and what's amazing is John really, like, dogs the the gospel of john and the author who wrote it really dogs on the jewish people or the jewish religious leaders because uh, you even have at the end of the story of lazarus they want to kill lazarus because lazarus was um 
was proclaiming that Jesus raised him from the dead. And so people were flocking to Jesus because of Lazarus. So not only do they hate those who are the uh, kind of the lighthouse, this beam of light sharing the gospel of Christ, but they want not just revile, they want to destroy oh, yeah. anyone that can can give witness to who Jesus is. Yeah. And it's just, it's fascinating, again, just how much, like you said, hatred, it's not even... It's, it's almost not a word strong enough. Revile isn't strong enough. There, there is this passion to destroy, to make chaos, not just let chaos un- unleash as there is just kind of out there in the universe, but to create chaos. And again, there's just Jesus being Jesus, like not even phased a little yeah. bit. Just, I, it's fantastic. I like how there is of the, the Jewish council there doing this sort of interview. One of them's kind of like clutching his chest there. <laughs> it's he's like if he had like, some pearls. Like yeah, he's <gasps> kind of like the red fox when he says Ethel or Esther, whatever his, his wife's name was. He says, I'm coming home. Like Elizabeth. whenever he gets mad. Oh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, it, it looks a little bit like that. But also you can also see the other hand pointing over there at Jesus mad. So just, you know, I, I, they basically are pulling a Jonah. I'd rather die. It, I would do well to die rather than to just sit here and tolerate Jesus's existence. It, it is something to behold looking at this. And the, the blind man, he's, he's got his act together, formerly blind man. Pastor Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I, I believe the beauty of our, our gospel is the story of Christ Jesus and the way it's written it, it brings us into this story, and it allows us to, to imagine being there, seeing everything that's going on. And as we look to this, the, the underlying message is, is that the power of that day, and really of our day, because we're, we're in that invited to enter into this, is that there is no value in some people. And that is exactly what Jesus is is against. He is saying that the every human being with the DNA, and even though I know I'm paraphrasing here, that has been created in the image of God. And they all have value. It doesn't matter if they are mature, immature, if they can see or or if they're blind if they're lame or if they can walk if their mental aptitude is low or if it's high that god finds value in everyone and it doesn't uh, you know it's not based upon a a a physical you know trait it's not based upon a mental aptitude but god loves people and what we find here is the authority and power loathes this man not because he was blind and maybe they did before we don't know it doesn't really tell us that and it's not because um you know what whether he was born you know this way or healed it's not the main it is because he is following jesus and it is a threat to their power and i think that is something very important for us today that that when something threatens the power and and authority of authority if they will begin to loathe Christians who look to Jesus. And I think this this uh, this right here, not all will look to Jesus, but almost everyone, I think Pastor Amanda pointed out, is looking to Jesus, the real power, the real authority. Um, and, and we're invited into that story today. You know, one of the things about this that, that kind of 
piques my attention a little bit is that Jesus is over there just healing people while they're over there making their legal arguments. They're trying to root out Jesus some way. But to your point, Pastor Mike, about how evil and wickedness, it doesn't want people to have aspirations. Jesus looked at the blind man and said, you're more than just somebody who can't see. And the truth of the matter is, while he was healed there, Jesus wants to heal people for eternity. Jesus realizes if you get older, your sight's probably going to get worse. I mean— I've always wore glasses for as long as I can remember. Never had that great a vision. Um, certainly a lot of people have worse vision than I have. But the truth of it is, is that Jesus realizes that all of our bodies are affected by fallen creation. Jesus wants to heal people for the big picture. And that's really where the ultimate conclusion of John chapter 9 is, is that it's all about the big picture. Yes, Jesus wants you to be blessed here and now. But beyond that, Jesus wants you to be blessed for eternity. But the, one of the things that you find about evil is that evil does not want people to have aspirations unless it is aspirations they control. They hate this man for being able to see. They would prefer that he was blind and that he was still blind. And mm-hmm. basically when it comes to his family, because before he gives testimony, they bring in his parents, they basically threaten him all like, hey, how would you like to never come in the synagogue again? How would you all like to be outcast in society? All because you've been blessed, because you have had sight given to you. We now hate you, and we do not want you to be around. And the same thing with Lazarus. How about we kill you again, Lazarus, to make sure that you don't live in that blessing of God? Yeah. Well, I think also, too, if we look at this story, it, it is it is a healing. and, and But the, the blind man, who is now not blind, has not just sight, but he has vision of of who Christ is, where the and maybe he doesn't have a great education, but all of these, um, you know, greatly educated leaders, they have no vision no. of who Christ truly is. And the greater problem in no. this is not the physical sight or the, or the regaining of the physical sight and how Jesus did it. The problem is those who refuse to be able to acknowledge the Messiah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gang, I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I feel like we can look at the last picture and say it's pretty well holy. Do we feel yes. feel good about saying that? Yeah. I think there's chaos brewing in the background. And, I, again, I think it's where chaos and, and holiness are at the battlefront. There yeah. is a spiritual warfare going on uh, in the physical sense, in the physical realm right before us. Now, I, I will concede that. This is just as much a picture of, of demonic spiritual warfare as is the second picture. Um, which really you can make that about the the first picture as well, just seeing that this is now the use of a church building, um, which is good, but it's also wicked that it got to that point. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where there's there's good, there's wicked mixed in. Um, well, let's have a closing prayer. Pastor Amanda, could you pray for us as we, we close? Sure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your many blessings for this opportunity to come and to gather and to look at church history and see how we can learn uh, to then apply it to our lives. And so as we move through our world, our world that is full of chaos and also your holiness, may we be transformed more and more to your image, that we may proclaim a gospel, a good news of peace and order. And as we encounter darkness in our world, we may speak light. So be with your people, we pray. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And with that, God love you and have a blessed day. Remember these images and be inspired to live out the gospel in the world around us.